2 Chronicles chapter 35 is where we're going to be. If you'll find your place and stand with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 35. I'm going to read the story and uh, then we'll come back to it and do a little explanation as we go along, give some, some context and background to the story. The Bible says, after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he, Necho, king of Egypt, sent ambassadors to him, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For God commanded me to make haste, forbear thee from meddling with God, who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him, and hearkened not unto the words of Necho from the mouth of God, and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archer shot at King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Have me away, for I am sore wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot, and put him in the second chariot that he had, and they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died and was buried in one of the sepulchers of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah. And all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentations. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his goodness, according to that which was written in the law of the Lord, and his deeds, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel, and Judah. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for a good day in your house, for meeting with us. Lord, for speaking to our hearts um, already in the way that you have today. Uh, Lord, for the music here. Lord, it's a privilege and an honor to be part of this church family and to be in this place together. And I, I pray, Lord, that as we conclude the day, that you'd speak to our hearts uh, once more. And help us to find application, Lord, for, for tonight and the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. On Saturday, November 27, 2021, the Oklahoma Sooners were defeated by the Oklahoma State Cowboys 37-33. Okay, the sermon title is Don't Mess Up Happy, so the following morning, Oklahoma's coach, who shall not be named, became national news when he announced he was leaving Oklahoma to coach at another university that shall also not be named. And so Oklahoma began search for a new coach, and within a few days, they hired a man named Brent Venables. Brent Venables had previously coached, many of you may know, at Oklahoma for 13 seasons as a defensive coordinator. He left for the Clemson Tigers in 2012 because Bob Stoops, the then coach, hired his brother, Mike Stoops, to become the defensive coordinator and Venables found himself out of a job. And so at Clemson, he coached for 10 years as the defensive coordinator, and he had spectacular success. They made six playoff appearances. They won two national titles. Venables would become the highest paid defensive coordinator in all of college football. Throughout his career at Clemson, through the years, Venables had many opportunities to go to other acclaimed universities to become a head coach. And every opportunity, he turned down. Two weeks ago, he was asked why he didn't leave Clemson sooner. Venables responded that he loved who he worked for. He loved where he lived. And he said, I had a mentor who told me when I was a young man, don't mess up happy. And tonight's story 
is about a man who did a spectacular job of messing up happy. Josiah became king over Judah at eight years of age. Yesterday, we celebrated the eighth birthday of my son, Ethan, and he is eight years old. Ethan, raise your hand. So Josiah would have been Ethan's age when he became the king of Judah. His grandfather's name was Manasseh, and he was a wicked man. He was king for 55 years, and in that amount of time, he corrupted Jerusalem and caused them to sin. In the book of 2 Kings, we are given other details about this exact story, Josiah's life and his lineage. And in 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 6, the Bible says this about Manasseh. He made his son pass through the fire. He observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. This man was a wicked man. He was into demonic activities. And everything he touched, he just made worse. And so God threatened Manasseh, and he, and he threatened all of Judah. I'm going to bring judgment. Um, I'm going to punish you for your wickedness. But the Bible says in verse 9, a few verses later, he hearkened not. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. And so Manasseh was warned, and he dug in his heels, and he did even more evil. In verse 16 of the same chapter, it says, Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much, till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, beside his sin wherewith he made Judah to sin, in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God again warned him and said, I'm going to wipe you out. You're not paying attention to me, and you're not listening to me. In fact, he literally said, I'm going to wipe you out. And in verse 13 of the following chapter, he said, I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. I'm going to clean you out. I'm going to punish you like a man wipes a dish and sets it aside. And they still would not pay attention. After Manasseh died, his son Ammon became king. And you would think that those kind of threats would be heeded by his son, but they weren't. And after two short years, he was murdered by some of those close to him. And the Bible says this of Ammon, Manasseh's son, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh did. And so here comes Ammon's son, Josiah. And you, you would think that you would expect nothing different from Manasseh to Ammon and now to Josiah. You would think, well, this, this young man just inherited a throne and, and the nation's just going to go further and at some point God's going to judge them. But that's not what Josiah did. Hey, talk about living life at a disadvantage and having a lineage and a rough background. Josiah had that. He becomes king and immediately the author of 2 Kings gives us the insight that his life would be different from that of his dad's and his granddad's. And it says in chapter 22, verse 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. In his lifetime, Josiah would rebuild God's temple that had been neglected and destroyed. Israel had fallen into worshiping four demonic gods, Baal, Ashtaroth, Chemosh, and Milcom. And Josiah broke down their idols in pieces. He killed their priests. He burned down their altars. This man single-handedly 
took the focus of the nation of Israel and turned it back to God. And it is amazing the difference that one man can make and one life can make. And this was what the Bible says about him. And like unto him, like unto Josiah, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. He fought day by day, week by week, month by month against a downward spiral. And in the midst of evil kings and having an evil grandfather and an evil father, Josiah fought back against that norm. And he gives us hope and a bright ray of righteousness that broke through in the nation of of Israel through the spiritual darkness that they were in. Josiah was a really, really good man. And he was a really, really good king. And yet, his life ended in an abrupt and disappointing way. His legacy came to a halt. The way he died was lackluster at best. He essentially died because he was in a place he shouldn't have been and fighting a battle that he had no business fighting. He lived a wise life. But he died a premature and a foolish death. He made a poor decision that turned out to cost both him and the nation, those that he had influence over, dearly. It cost them everything. When King David died, Solomon became king. When Solomon died, Rehoboam became king. Rehoboam was a foolish man in the way that he governed and ruled. And he came out of the gates as a young ruler and did some really foolish things. And the nation at that time split into the northern and the southern kingdom under his reign. Josiah was the first king who had an opportunity in all those years since that split to potentially, scholars tell us, reunite the northern and the southern kingdoms into one kingdom. Indications point to the hope and possibly even the planning of the two kingdoms in Israel being united once more. And it's hard to know exactly why Josiah went out to fight Nico, but scholars suggest this. He was influenced by the plans of reunion, and he may have thought, that Judah's independence would have been threatened by Necho's success against the nation of Syria, whom Necho, the king of Egypt, was attacking. Assyria and Egypt were both a threat to Judah, but Egypt more so. And so if Josiah had succeeded in subduing Egypt and had neutralized them, Assyria would have been in debt to Judah because he would have effectively rescued them. And in Josiah's mind, this was a win-win. He defeats one adversary, the other one's in debt to him, and his goal of reuniting the kingdom now becomes even more possible. However, Josiah made a foolish decision to attack Egypt, as the text shows. And he was defeated. And he wasn't just defeated, he lost his life. But it wasn't just his life that he lost. The Great Reformation movement, too, was lost. And the Bible says that his son and the followers immediately turned back to their evil ways. See, he messed up happy not only for himself. He messed it up for the nation and those he had influence over. And all it takes in our lives is one foolish decision and you can permanently impact your life. But not just your life. Young people. Your siblings' life. Your parents' life. Your home. Your church, 
All it takes is one, a man who's lived a good and righteous life and made good decisions and brought his family to church and a wife who's been faithful to her husband in difficult times. And yet one thing, and all of a sudden, all that's good can be erased and it can be lost if we're not careful. The decision that Josiah made, it impacted so many. See, there's a principle tonight and it goes like this. Good intentions don't make for good decisions. And there is this tendency for us to think that if we feel strongly enough about something, then we're probably right. I mean, I feel it deep down inside my core. And so I must be right because I feel so strongly about it. But feelings are not a foundation to build a life on. And so in verse 20, it says, after all this, Josiah rebuilt the temple. He did so much good. The Bible says there was never a man that loved God more in the way that he loved him with his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength. He turned to God fully. After all of this, he had prepared the temple. He had done a lot of good. But the author's warning us. He's about to do something foolish. Here comes the king of Egypt to fight against Carchemish. And Josiah, he goes out against them. You know, one could argue here. Well, Josiah had pure motives. Like, he was trying to do a good thing. He loved God. He knew the southern king, the, 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 the northern kingdom needed to turn to God too. He knew that he had the power to turn other people towards the Lord. His intentions were good, perhaps. But it doesn't mean his actions were justifiable. See, we have natural inclinations that are often opposed to God's ways. And these tendencies, they may seem right in the moment. But our tendencies, when they are opposed to God's ways, lead to a bad conclusion. And just because you think something is right, it doesn't make it right. And it's arrogant for you to think otherwise. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man. I'm convinced of it. I feel it. I know this is right. But the end thereof are the ways of death. It doesn't matter what you think or how strongly you feel about something. It matters what God says. And Josiah thinks, I'm right. But he wasn't right because it's not what God intended. Isaiah 55 makes it clear to us. God says, my thoughts aren't yours. So you can talk for me, you can say it's God's will, you can convince other people that it's my thoughts, but I'm telling you, my thoughts aren't like your thoughts, my ways aren't like your ways, my, 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 my thoughts are different than yours, for as the heavens are higher than the earth. Like you look up and you see the sky, and you see that sunset, and you, it's so far off. He says, so are my ways higher than your thoughts, and my, uh, my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's a great big difference between how we think and how God thinks. Amen. And there are other things to consider besides your thoughts and sense of justice and what might be right. Like, what does God think? And what are the principles specifically that His Word gives to me? See, Josiah loved the Lord. That wasn't in question here. Josiah loved God's people. That wasn't in question. He loved the concept of a united Israel. And I would look at that and go, I think that's a pretty cool idea. Like, I think that's a good idea. Guys, let's get back together and let's serve God. But his ambitions superseded God's thoughts. 
in, God, in obedience to Him. See, we must remember that God is sovereign and things should be done His way and not according to our own. And when we take matters into our hands, even with pure motives and good intentions, we suffer. And it's not just us that suffer. Those that are under our influence or in our orb are suffering too. Those around us that love us and care for us and are influenced by us, our church family, your nuclear family, your friends, the place of employment that God's placed you in. But Josiah was stubborn, and he insisted on doing what he thought was right, the illumination that he felt in his heart. But stubbornness has a heavy price tag. In, second King, in verse 21 again of our text, it says, He sent ambassadors to him saying, this is the king of Egypt, to Josiah. He says, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Egypt? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got my army together, and I'm coming to attack Syria, and, and where'd you come from? Like, why are you here? And then he, he, he presses the point. He says, I've not come against thee this day. He says, but against the house wherewith I have war. And then he says this, for God commanded me to make haste. He said, I'm not doing this on my own volition. Like, the Lord told me to do this. And you need to listen. He says, forbear thee from meddling with God who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Josiah was like, no, 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 I'm God's man. You can't be God's man too. Nevertheless, the Bible says Josiah would not turn his face from him. In fact, he disguised himself. He resorted to, to dirty tactics that he might fight with him. And he hearkened not unto the words of Nico. He would not listen that came from the mouth of God. And he came to fight. See, Josiah had a stubborn streak. And it is on full display here. And he has a happy kingdom. And he has a happy family. And everything's going right. And he's serving God. And he's destroyed all the bad guys. And things are going really, really good. And he's about to mess up happy. And Proverbs chapter 21, 29 verse 1 says, He that being often reproved, and hardeneth his neck. And here's King Nico of Egypt saying, Josiah, Listen to God. Don't listen to me. Like, I get it if it's about me, but listen to your God that you serve in love. But he hardened his neck to the message from God. And the Bible says, those that harden their necks shall suddenly be destroyed. And here's the sad part. Without remedy. There's some things in life get broken. And, and God redeems God restores. And, and God, God brings good out of, out of the worst circumstances of life. And that is all true. But there are some things that can't be fixed. There are some things you'll never get back. There, there are some things that just, like, that's life now. And, and for so Josiah, it wasn't just life now. It was death now. And it was the destruction of his own nation. And all that he had fought for and the legacy he had built. See, before you make decisions in life, you would do well to receive counsel from God and from other people. None of us are as right as we think we are. We all have blind spots. So God has given to us other people to help alleviate them. Um, for many of us, 
God gave us a spouse. And unless they are just a godless person, they have a perspective you need to hear. That will be, help you be a better person and save you from a lot of harm. You know, I don't know how many times I have been saved from my foolishness because of my wife. And, and I don't know how many times I didn't listen to her and I suffered for it. At least not like truly listened and, 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 and considered what she was saying. And, 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 and it goes the other way too with her, me to her. We strengthen each other that way. We help alleviate each other's blind spots. Uh, God's given us spiritual leaders. Uh, you're here tonight with spiritual leaders. All of us are. And they help us and we need to pay attention. And we need to listen. Uh, God gives us friends and a church family. God even speaks to us through lost people as, as He did Josiah through the king of Egypt. He speaks to us through our children. I've received correction from my children. And when done respectfully and appropriately, I've been helped by it. But Josiah dug in his heels. He was stubborn. Not going to listen to that. That's not what I want to hear, and I'm not going to listen. And our problem is his. We don't like the advice we're given. Here's, here's what God said, but I don't like that advice. I have an agenda. I have something I need to accomplish. There's something I want done. And just because we don't like the counsel we're given isn't cause to dismiss it. And we are weaker for it. Josiah was so bent on a, and focused on accomplishing his plan that he failed to keep his heart open to correction and the very voice of God. And Proverbs 3 tells us this, don't lean on your own understanding because it will lead you astray, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And Josiah had done this his entire life and everyone bended from it, including himself. And in this moment, he did not. He failed and he leaned on his own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And here was the path, Josiah. Hey, pay attention. Don't, this isn't the fight to fight. There'll be another day to win this battle. This isn't the day. Walk away. And he wouldn't listen. Instead, he listened to himself. And it led him to a bad place. He leaned on his own understanding. He paid the price for it. There's a few point of, points of application tonight for us from this story. And there are many that could be pulled from the text, but I want to highlight a few. And the first is simply this. Not every opportunity is a good one. Not every opportunity is a good one. Josiah saw a chance to unite the nation. Just because he saw good didn't mean there wasn't bad there too. God didn't want the nation united. So what Josiah saw as good, what you and I might look at as good, is not what God saw as good. And he saw things differently. His ways are above ours, and his thoughts are too. Sometimes there is good in an opportunity, but that doesn't mean there isn't bad there too. And sometimes the bad outweighs the good, but all you can see is the good. Elizabeth and I have bought homes before, and we get excited about the house and see the opportunity. And what we don't see are all the problems. Maybe you've been there too. And then a month goes by and we discover a problem. And then a week goes by and we discover another problem. You've been there? We've all been there with purchases and things. See, we need help seeing the bad. And when someone tries to help you, 
you need to listen and not close your ears. We close our ears to our hurt. Not every opportunity is a good one. Number two, not every fight is your fight. See, Josiah had fought and won many battles in his life, but his life ended because he chose to fight the wrong battle. There are a lot of injustices in the world, and there are a lot of opportunities to engage in battles and causes. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul said, there's some things to fight for. One of those is to fight for faith. But, but not every fight is one you should be involved in, and not every fight is the fight of faith. And just because we say it is doesn't make it so. Not every battle is worth fighting, and not every battle is yours to fight. There is a time to fight, but peace should always be our first priority. Jesus isn't called the Prince of War. He's called the Prince of Peace. Romans 12, Paul says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, if you can, pursue at all costs, he says, live peaceably with all men. And he doesn't qualify that statement. He says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Hey, I'm taking care of things, and I want to make sure that you understand that peace is the first priority here. And we need to learn to trust the Lord. He is bigger than the news networks. He is. He's bigger than any government leader. He's not as big as Facebook. <laughs> okay, you're listening, some of you. He's bigger than Twitter. He's even bigger than Instagram. He's bigger than any relationship you have. He's bigger than any obstacle you face. He's bigger than the problem you have at work. He's bigger. His thoughts are bigger. His ways are bigger. And you cannot know internal peace until you pursue peace with God and other people. See, differences should not always lead to strife from us. There is a time to fight. But most of the time, we pursue that over peace. God is eager to show His love and His power through us as we work through differences with other people. And too often, we just want to fight. We get bent out of shape, and our feelings get hurt, and our spouse smarts off to us, or they do something inconsiderate. And what do we do? We take all the good that we have, and we flush it down the drain in a moment. We respond angrily. We get upset. We blow things up, and we mess up happy, and we're poor for it. And we destroy and lose things we should never have destroyed and lost. Lost. Number three tonight, your opinion and view, viewpoint needs to be informed by principle and not by passion. Your opinion and your viewpoint needs to be informed by principle and not by passion. Just because you feel like something is right or true doesn't make it right or true. We need to look for principles and reasons that God gives to us. Josiah did not have God's Word in, his, in its entirety, and you and I do. We have so much more information and guidance than this man ever had. Let God guide your heart and your mind, not just your feelings. He will give you answers. 
if you want them. But when we get the answer we don't want, we close our ears. And we have selective hearing, just like Josiah. Well, I'm going to go do something good. And I, you know, no, no, I don't want to pay attention to this guy. I know he's saying that God said this, but, but, but God also wants me to love him. And God also wants me to pursue him and fight his battles. And so, so I'm going to do that. Nope. You disobeyed. You're not listening. You're listening to the message you want, not the one that God said. And there's a difference. The challenge tonight is simply this. Build a good life. Be a Josiah. Turn to God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then don't mess it up. It doesn't take much. Don't mess up a good home, a good marriage. Don't throw it all away. Don't mess up your church because of your passion and how you feel. Don't mess up relationships. Don't mess up what the ways that God's blessed you and given the things He's given to you. Josiah lived a good and a wise life, and then he messed it all up. He failed to listen to a wise rebuke. He put his ways above God's, and he paid with his life, and the kingdom suffered. We don't need to live that way. Get counsel from those who love you, and spend time listening. Spend time listening to God's voice. Don't just hear what you want. Hear what God is saying. Keep your heart soft, your eyes open. Look for the blind spots. And when you get advice you don't like, pay close attention to it. Don't mess up happy in your home, your relationships, it's your work environment. Build something good and leave it that way. Let me ask you to stand tonight, if you would.